SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. It's been a busy season. The kids are back in school. Now we're looking at like... Harvest festivals, a lot of activities at our church that our kids are plugged in with, sports. Then you go, Thanksgiving, Christmas, this whole idea of hurry and hustle, it just eclipses our family, and we think we're doing it for the right reasons. We think we're helping our kids. We think we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're talking with Jordan Rayner today at SMS Radio. It's crazy the pace that we're running at today. It's insane, right? And it's just totally out of step with the example of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, when you look at the gospels, now the one hand, Jesus was crazy busy, right? I mean, it was one time which his family said that they thought that he was out of his mind. (laughs) He was so busy, but he was never so busy that he was angry at those he came in contact with or frantic or anxious. And I think that's the line between busy and hurry. And we got to figure out how to stay on the right side of that line. It's hard to do. Okay, so let's talk about the frantic nature of things. Because, yeah, like there are things that we've got to do and we've got our checklist and there's always going to be more stuff for us to accomplish at work than there is in a 40, 50-hour work week. But 70 hours is not productive. 60 hours is borderline like more than just a caution light. I mean, you're cheating on your family when you get to the spot where you're like, I'm just working and nobody wants to be called a workaholic, but it sucks us in. Yeah. Totally. And what's interesting, there's so much good data that's starting to come out that shows that when you reach basically over 55 hours, one study in particular at Stanford, so that if you work any more than 55 hours a week, it's like you are adding nothing else productive to your workplace. There's no no, no increase at all in productivity between 55 and 70 hours of work. This is crazy, right? But- What it is sacrificing is our ability to be productive at home, right? Discipling our kids, doing stuff around the house, cultivating deep relationships with our spouses. We've got to learn the productive nature of rest. And it's one of the things I'm talking about this new book, Redeeming Your Time. Like we've got to see rest for what it is, a gift from God that makes us more productive for our goals, but it's also productive for our souls because it reminds us that the world keeps spinning even when I stop checking my email, right? Uh, And that's a freeing truth. We're talking about the nature of hurry in our life. We're talking about all the expectations that everybody puts on us and how we can redeem our time. We're talking with Jordan Rayner today at SWIS Radio. He's an entrepreneur and he's a best-selling author. Jordan, if we want to be more productive, we've got to get a better handle on what rest is and what rest means and how we recharge. Because sometimes it's not just sleep. No, no, it's not just sleep. It is sleep, right? The science behind this is pretty clear that sleep is counterintuitively one of the most productive things that we could do. But here's another rhythm of rest that's counterintuitively productive. Taking breaks throughout the workday, right? Scientists will tell you that our bodies tend to pulse in these two-hour ultradian cycles, right? So what this means practically is if you're sitting in front of your desk for 90 minutes doing really deep focus work, You're going to be way more productive later in the day if you take a 15 to 30 minute break and do the opposite of what you do while you work. So if you work with your mind, rest with your hands. And if you work with your hands, rest with your mind. Winston Churchill understood this deeply. He worked with his mind. He was a statesman. He was a writer, but he would rest by painting or laying bricks 
outside of his house. He once famously said, a perfect day is writing 2,000 words and laying 200 bricks, right? (laughs) Uh, But he understood that. He understood how that made him more productive later on in the day. You know, it's interesting because with everything going on in our lives, you know, our kids are doing club sports. You've got this load of homework. Now the school year is just off. You just think about the holidays and the busyness of that. You try to squeeze in family meals and then you're still trying to get work done at night. It's like, oh, yeah, the stuff that you had to do before five o'clock, you know, the emails keep coming in. We're constantly connected to our phone and you're just like, you feel like you got one to be more productive and you realize you almost become a slave to it. I mean, when you're digging into like some of the rhythms of the Bible, you know, what sort of time management do you think we should be looking at to take control and authority over our thoughts again? Well, listen, you mentioned digital devices. The digital tools in our lives are crowding out any ability for us to think and be creative and be still. We are constantly consuming noise. We are living in what C.S. Lewis's devil screw tape called the kingdom of noise, right? He said, we're going to make the world a kingdom of noise in the end. And we have got to frequently make it a habit of dissenting from the kingdom of noise. In my book, Redeeming Your Time, I give you nine practical ways to do that. Here's one of them. Just parent your phone. You are the parent in this relationship. You decide, not the text message pinging you, when your phone is allowed to come out of its proverbial room. So for me, (laughs) when I end my workday every day at five o'clock, I take my cell phone, I put it in my master bathroom and I don't touch it from five o'clock PM until my kids go to bed at seven 30. So I can be fully focused on them and my bride. But what I do is some nights I will turn my ringer on, but my phone will be not do not disturb so that if the VIPs in my life that really need to get a hold of me, want to get a hold of me, my phone will ring. I can go into the master bathroom, see who it is, decide whether or not I want to answer. But effectively for two and a half hours, I've converted my cell phone into a landline. Mm -hmm. right? It's confined in my room. And the temptation to check Instagram mindlessly has been removed because it's not my pocket. It's not easily accessible. We've got to find ways of cultivating silence and solitude so we can be fully focused on our families and just be able to think clearly. You know, similar to controlling our finances, we got to evaluate everything in our spending plan. You get rid of all the things like the gym memberships that you haven't used in nine months or the Netflix subscription that you haven't watched in weeks. And, you know, you look at all these subscriptions and it's like everything's pulling our time and it's sucking our resources. It's just like like these zombie sort of things that are just draining us, like resource-wise. You know, what are some of the strategies for getting rid of activities that are doing that same thing, that are taking up the time in our day, that aren't necessarily God-honoring or the best use of where our focus should be? Here's a good one. Schedule a stop-doing meeting with your spouse. Look at everybody's calendars, especially the recurring stuff. Look at your to-do list, especially the recurring stuff, and figure out the things that you can easily kill that just aren't in line with the work you believe that God has called you and your family to do. Do the same thing professionally. I used to run a company, really rapidly growing tech startup, and me and my partners would sit down once a week look at each other's to-do lists, right? Because we're blind a lot of times to the things that we could give up but aren't. Look at each other's to-do lists and say, hey, you need to kill that. That's not in line with where we're heading. We could do that professionally and we should certainly be doing that personally. 
We're talking with Jordan Rayner today at SWS Radio, and he's an entrepreneur in the tech world. He's worked in the government, also a best-selling author. But Jordan, it's interesting because the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He's like, be careful how you live, like not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Like another version of the verse says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Like Jordan... This verse serves sort of as an inspiration for you and thinking about time and you're writing this new book, just to figure out how do we redeem that? Totally. Because Paul says this is part of our response to the gospel, right? A lot of people see good time management hygiene as secular. Paul says the complete opposite is true. He spends the first four chapters of Ephesians preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then as he always does, he can anticipate his readers' questions, right? He, he's hearing his readers say, okay, Paul, what do I do now? I get it. I'm saved by grace alone. I'm saved for good works that God has prepared in advance for me to do. How do I respond? He says, redeem the time because the days are evil. And that word redeem means to buy up or to ransom. We are commanded in response to our salvation to roll up our sleeves and get good and get diligent and intentional about where we're investing this vapor of a life that God's given us a steward. It's interesting because we just sort of turn into zombies sometimes and we just follow patterns and we fall into this rut and we're not actually giving our best yes on things. We're, we're not saying yes to the things that really are important that we want to put in our schedule. We're just not saying no to stuff that's okay. That's a good point. Yeah, it's just this lack of intentionality, which, listen, I think this is a natural byproduct of the fall. Like human beings, <laughs> our nature is to just coast. And by the way, especially after the year and a half that we've all had, we're exhausted. I'm exhausted. I got three kids, seven, five, and one. I am so tired of quarantining from school and all this stuff. I'm tired as you are, but let that not stop us from being intentional about our lives, intentional about our time. I'll use a good analogy. You mentioned financial budgeting a minute ago. We're super intentional about where we spend our money. Most of us, right? Most of my friends that I know have a budget for where they put their money. None of my friends have a budget for where they spend their time. It's mind boggling to me, right? By God's grace, all of us can earn more money. None of us can earn more time. How much more intentional should we be in budgeting where these minutes go before God gives us a fresh supply each morning? And in this book, Redeeming Your Time, I'm showing readers exactly how to do that. How do we build a time budget that allows us to embrace productive busyness while also eliminating hurry from our lives. When we live through a season of busyness that doesn't actually have an endpoint on it, it's not a season anymore. <laughs> it's our life. And we're talking with Jordan Rayner today at SWS Radio. He's an entrepreneur. He's worked in the tech world. He's worked in the U.S. government. He's a best-selling author. You know, obviously, when you're starting up a company, you know you're putting in the work. You know you're going to be investing a whole lot of time, and you're going to have to work more than 40 hours a week, and there's going to be some sacrifice that goes through that. But it's interesting because a lot of us, you know, we make all these plans for our workday goals, but we don't have any energy or any capacity or any creativity at the end of the day to make goals for our family's growth, for the way we want to disciple our kids, for the way that we want to invest in our marriage. And Jordan, what have you learned about taking authority over that so that we can craft a strategy at home, but a lot of it's going to be resource management that starts with our emotional space and our creative space. A lot of times in my family's life, when my wife and I sit down, we're like, man, we are way overstretched. We're doing way too much. It's usually because 
we have lost sight of or failed to define a really big, hairy, audacious goal for our family, right? The bigger and more audacious and clear your goals are for your family or your work, it makes it a heck of a lot easier to say no to lesser things because it's so clear what your burning desire, that burning yes is, right? So for me right now, our, our family, my big hero audacious goal of my kids is to inspire Ellis and Kate and Emery to live fully into God's mission in the world. So that means that, you know, if we can fit soccer in, great, but that's not our top priority. Our top priority is discipling them well, loving them well, making sure they get a great education and helping them in school. So we say no to a lot of different things because it's just not in line with this current season of what we're focused on with our kids. Jordan, we live in this season where like 99% of us have phones within like reaching distance right now. Yep, guilty right here. This could buzz anytime, and I'll probably look down at it, even though I don't want to, and I'm trying to be engaged. But it's just like it's conditioning us to do something. It's almost like the Pavlov's dog sort of thing. Yeah. It's like you ring the bell, the dogs just start salivating. It's like, oh, a text message comes in, you look at your phone. It buzzes once, you ignore it in your pocket. It buzzes again, and you're like, oh, maybe it's an emergency. Maybe, maybe somebody <laughs> really needs me right now. That's more important than the person I'm looking at right now face to face. And it's funny because... Because then, like, news creeps in. News almost takes authority over us. And it's one of the fastest things that can completely ruin our day. Jordan, you've made a decision to say, I'm not even going to consume news. It's not that I don't want to be uninformed. I just know that it's not good for me being connected to it 24-7 like CNN. Totally. Listen, the data is indisputable. We all know. We don't need data in studies to tell us this. The news makes us anxious. And, oh, by the way, we also know that 99% of it is totally meaningless to our lives and to our work. And so, yeah, I used to be a huge news junkie. And about six years ago, I just quit cold turkey. I said, no more, no news podcast. I watch no news. I read no news, nothing. But what I found is maybe surprisingly, I'm not totally ignorant because my friends curate the news for me. They don't know they're doing this, but 100% they do. I find out about everything that matters to my life and my work. I'll give you a good example. I'm a big Tim Keller fan. When Tim Keller, the pastor and author, tweeted that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, eight of my friends texted me the news within 10 minutes of it breaking. I hear about pandemics and mask mandates and race rights and media trends and rumors about every West Wing reunion because I'm a huge West Wing fan. <laughs> and I hear about all these things without having to spend a second on nonstop news and social media services. It's incredibly free. And I wish somebody had told me 10 years ago, if you stop consuming this meaningless nonsense, your friends will bring the stuff that's actually relevant to you, to you without you having to wade into the kingdom of noise. So it was funny because you mentioned Tim Keller. And obviously, he's a best-selling author, amazing pastor. And basically, he's retired from the day-to-day -day ministry. But, you know, he posted something just this week I thought was really interesting. You know, you think about all, like, the social media marketing and the strategies and all the interaction you're doing on Facebook and Instagram. And he posted, hey, a word about my personal philosophy of social media. Well, I know that some see Facebook as a way of having interactive debates and long conversations. 
I do not. I believe a better way and surely a longer lasting way is to speak for me through sermons and books and substantive articles. And so I think a far better and surely more effective way is to speak with individuals with opposing views and do that face to face over a longer period of time. People just can't digest it all in a Facebook post. So I use Facebook mainly to quote or refer back to my own sermons or writings or even writings of other people that are smarter than me who I believe bring great value, but I don't respond on Facebook. And basically this is why, because I'm not trying to have a debate. I'm trying to share truth. And I was trying to facilitate discussion, but people don't want discussion. And so he posted this whole long article explaining like his strategy about how you communicate on social media. And that's so different than what all the marketing experts want to say about how you build interaction. I mean, look at this. I mean, he's got more followers than all of us put together. You know what I mean? He's got more people clicking his blogs and reading long form posts and sermons with rich biblical truth, you know, that are pointing people back to God as the solution, not just like all this other noise and so-called justice. Yeah. Listen, we, we, we don't think in terms of cost benefit analysis with these tools, especially social media. People are like, oh, like social media is valuable. Well, asking whether or not something's valuable is a pretty bad question. You have to weigh (laughs) value relative to cost. And the cost of these tools is exorbitant. Now, I sell my social media profiles. I'm not a curmudgeon, I promise. But I have attained a lot of independence from these tools because they're not ultimately valuable. And I know how high the cost. I'll give you a good example. I delete and reinstall Instagram from my phone every 24 hours. I go in. Find what I need to do. I post the post. I respond to a couple of comments and I leave because I can't handle the temptation to keep checking it. Screen time limits. Who are we kidding? This is not a thing. These don't work, right? <laughs> Dragging Instagram to the a folder on the third screen of your iPhone. Guys, come on. This isn't working. We have got to take extreme measures to put these tools in their place so that we can think. We can be creative. We can listen to God's voice. We can listen to his voice so we can prioritize our to-do list for his purposes rather than our own. We're talking with Jordan Rayner today at SWS Radio, and he's a best-selling author, and he's an entrepreneur and works in the tech world. And we've been talking about like how we take authority over our time. We were just talking about how social media is one of the biggest sucks of our time, it takes our focus and the noise there, makes us anxious. And you know, it's interesting because even Facebook, there's rumors that they're gonna change their name in the next week or so. And there's this whole meta-universe thing that they're apparently developing, which might even go even deeper. Plus, they own Instagram now and a lot of other social media services. They've kind of folded into the Facebook world. We know that it's not good for us, but we're so connected to it. And we let it take authority over us. It's so interesting just because, like, if Facebook is changing their name either because they're getting bad PR and they're not getting high net promoter scores anymore because people don't trust it or value it and they feel like they need to change their name, or they're changing their name because they're developing a whole nother meta-universe it's going to be even more consuming to our life. This should be a warning before we wade into all of this saying, how much of this do I want to be involved with on the front end? Because otherwise, these sort of things just consume our focus and our connections with our friends. Yeah. And other human beings. Yeah. I'll say this too. Listen, it's so easy to throw stones at the Facebooks of the world. I've done it. I I, I totally get it. But 
we also have to recognize that we are responsible for this problem. We are addicts, right? We are constantly looking for these dopamine hits. And I think a lot of times it's because we're afraid of what we will hear if we really find true silence. If we really, to separate the king of noise, just sit there and be still. Man, I think a lot of us are going to realize there's this God-shaped hole inside of us that we're trying to paper over with social media likes, and it ain't working. But but listen, we're talking to believers. Believers, God has filled that God-shaped hole inside your heart with Jesus Christ. And he didn't fill it so that you would go waste away your life. He filled it so that you would do good works for his great glory. And we can't do that unless we redeem our time and get aggressive about taking control over where we're spending our precious minutes. I don't know about you, Jordan, but for me, like, I find, like, sleep recharges my physical body. Eating better recharges my physical body. Exercise, doing sports and things like that definitely help recharge the physical nature of my body. But then when you get into, like, the soul-tired part of things, for me... I'm the kind of person where, like, recreation also recharges that. Like, going out to the lake, wakeboarding, going and doing some off-roading in our Jeep and climbing some rocks with some buddies. Like, things like that, getting outside in nature, that charges me up. You know, sitting on a beach and relaxing. It's not so much the sleeping on a beach and falling asleep in the sun. It's throwing the Frisbee and chasing the kids around and doing, like, the, you know, maybe doing some surfing. Those kind of things charge me up in a way that's different than just, eating better, working out, and sleeping. Yeah, totally. we got to embrace these good gifts. Those are all good gifts that God has given us. And so many of us are so hurried, we don't have time to enjoy them. But when we do, we'll find ourselves more joyful, more patient, and more productive, right? Because that recharges our batteries to go out and do even more good works for the glory of God and the good of others. Our team here at SOS Radio is always looking for new ways to connect with you. Scott Harold's podcast features deeper, uncut discussions with authors and artists every week. When my daughter's with me, she loves listening to it. If you like it, give it a five-star rating. I sure will. I'll do that. It helps new people find the discussions online. 